Welcome to the Constructionist Podcast, hosted by Caleb. Just as we grow gardens and build buildings, God is building you through the renewing of your mind. The sufficiency of the scriptures is paramount in your journey, and every week, Caleb will challenge you to make them a central part of your life and worldview. Join us now as we explore the world through the ancient lens of God's word. Hello, friends. You have just found yourself in the Constructionist Podcast. And today we want to be building up our understanding of what we call biblical interpretation, or a fancy word for it is hermeneutics. Now, I would like to say up front that I am dedicating this episode to Danny. Now, I met Danny a couple of weeks ago. And she was on a trip I just took to Mississippi with a bunch of teenagers. And she was one of the interns there. And I never met her before. But what I discovered as we were talking was that she was going to a Bible college in Colorado and studying theology. So I got to talking to her about uh, biblical interpretation and hermeneutics. And she had not been exposed to my favorite form of hermeneutics or biblical interpretation, which is the Jewish method. So I said, well, we need to have a conversation about this. And she was interested, and I hope she's listening right now because she's probably chuckling to herself uh, because she's a very smiley sort of girl. But um, so we never got a chance to have that conversation because we just got busy doing other things. So I thought I would dedicate this podcast to Danny and ultimately to all the kids that were on that trip, if you're listening out there, and we're going to talk about interpretation from a Jewish perspective. But first, a little bit of introduction. So the idea of interpreting the Bible is very important and pretty much foundational. Really, what one thing I say all the time is to let the Bible speak for itself. And one of the things you'll see when you go through the Bible is that uh, there are different issues when it comes to how to interpret a text. So just read the Gospels, and you'll find that Jesus uh, is asked the question about what is the greatest law, and how am I to love my neighbor, who is my neighbor, and are all people going to be saved, and uh, Matthew chapter 5 when he says, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, but I tell you this, you've heard that it was said, you shall not this, but I tell you that. What Jesus is ultimately doing is correcting popular interpretations of the scripture. And so uh, we run into this kind of thing quite often. You know, very, very regularly people all think that Zacchaeus who climbed up the tree and invited Jesus to dinner that night was kind of a bad guy because he was a tax collector. If you read it very carefully, he's probably quite a good guy, uh, but you have to read it very carefully. And that passage is an example of what we'll say later is Remes. So let me now make a point of saying that Jewish interpretation does find its origins in the Bible. There are other methods of interpretation that have popped up in the last several centuries uh, that do not find their ultimate origin in the Bible. So let me just point out that quite often what you are taught in many, many schools, and what I was taught uh, in the first Bible school that I went to, is this idea of grammatical historical interpretation. So it's basically just that. It's a grammatical historical. You read the, you read the language of the text, and you look at the history of the text and what it's talking about, and you use that to interpret the meaning of the text. So 
grammatical historical is a very foundational method of interpreting the Bible, but I actually did my dissertation for my degree, my bachelor's degree, on the possibility that that method of interpretation is insufficient to get the fullest depth of meaning out of the scripture. And so I think it's a good foundational point, and I think it relates to an element of Jewish interpretation, but it is not the final, uh, it's not the fine, it does not have the final say in interpreting the Bible. And if you only had the grammatical historical method to interpret the Bible with, you will actually never come to the fullest uh, meaning of the text and the depth of the text that's there. And you certainly won't be doing it the way Paul and Jesus and John interpreted the Bible. So that's grammatical historical method. It's very popular, taught in most schools. It's good foundational, but is not enough, is what I'm saying on that one. I'm going to go with an approach that I like to call the apostolic approach or the Jewish method. Uh, But I prefer apostolic because there are those who don't like a Jewish approach because they associate it automatically with the Talmud and with the Mishnah and with the the oppression of the law that came out uh, from the Pharisees after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD and after the New Testament was written. Now, I have a copy of the Mishnah at home. It's a fat book. I mean, I'm talking like three inches thick. It's a fat book, and you could get lost in its constant argumentation, and this rabbi says this, and that rabbi says that, and the school of Hillel says this, and the school of Shammai says that, and they said this about keeping this bit of Sabbath, and that about keeping that bit of Sabbath, and here's what they say about women, and here's what they say about donkeys, and it just goes on and on and on. So I'm not advocating that. I am advocating the apostolic approach. So essentially, what I'm saying is if you look at what Paul does in his letters, had Paul not come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, he would have been quoted in the Mishnah. That's just a fact. There are people that were, uh, he was part of the school of Hillel. The school of Hillel was a very common uh, element in the Mishnah. And he would have been part of that school of Hillel. His tutor was Gamaliel, it says it in the book of Acts. Gamaliel is quoted in the book of Acts. Gamaliel's grandfather was Rabbi Hillel. Rabbi Hillel was a big name in the first century Judaism in the days of uh, the Gospels. A big name in those circles of rabbis and Sadducees and things like that. Paul learned his approach to scripture from that school, from Gamaliel, the grandson of Hillel. But what Paul was not taught growing up when he went to uh, you know, Torah school, Bet Torah, and he went to Bet Midrash, and he went to these different schools, he was never taught the scriptures from the perspective of uh, the Messiah as the, as the personality that you interpret the scriptures through. Once Paul encountered Jesus and gave his life over to Jesus and was in Christ, then he interpreted all of Scripture through the person of Jesus Christ. That is the apostolic approach. You interpret through the person of Jesus Christ. So basically, the Gospels give us a sort of biography of who Jesus is, whereas the, the, the epistles, Romans through uh, Jude, give us a commentary on the person of Jesus Christ who instituted the new covenant on the foundation of the old covenant. Does that make sense? So this is where Paul is coming from. He 
is obsessed, you almost could say, with this idea of being in Christ. And so that is where he is coming from. Now, from the New Testament church, after the book of Acts, you slowly had a parting of ways of Jew and Gentile. And that parting of ways meant that the Jews became more and more anti-Jesus Christ, or Yeshua HaMashiach, however you want to say it. And uh, Gentiles became less and less informed as to how the Jewish mind interpreted Scripture because there are less and less and less uh, active Jews in the church. And so you ended up getting into what was called for a very long time, like a thousand years, you would interpret the Bible from either a, liter- a, a, a literal perspective or an allegorical perspective or a moral perspective or a Gnostic perspective. Those are like the four main schools of thought. Uh, they all sort of intermingled with each other, but the Greek mind delved into this sort of fourfold approach of allegory, literal, Gnostic, and um, yeah, those kind of things. So I got them written down here. Hang on, let me check. Yes, literary, allegorical, moral, and a kind of Gnostic approach. So I'm going to advocate for you a different fourfold approach that is what uh, has been bouncing around within Judaism, and I believe that Paul and John appropriated and applied Jesus to it and used it as a method of understanding the Old Testament when writing out their scriptures. So this fourfold approach uh, of Jewish hermeneutics that we are looking at from the New Testament is called uh, Pardes, Pardes, P-R-D-S, Pardes. That is an anacronym. It also is the basis of the word for paradise, but which is kind of nice to think that when we're interpreting the scripture, we are in paradise, <laughs> especially if we do it through the uh, lens of Jesus Christ. But pardes is, uh, let me go through each one. The P of pardes is peshet. Peshet is the simple, straightforward, historical approach to reading the scripture. This would be your grammatical historical. Okay, so that's why I'm saying grammatical historical isn't wrong, it's just insufficient to get the fullest meaning out of the text. You need three more steps. So three more steps would be one, peshet, read the scripture, read the scripture, read the scripture. Read it over and over again. Read 10 chapters a day. Read three chapters a day. Read it from beginning to end. Read it in chronological order. Just read it, read it, read it, read it, read it. Find out a little bit about the history. Pick up a dictionary, read about the Romans, read about the Babylonians, read about the ancient Assyrians, find out what Abraham was doing, find out what Egypt was doing, discover what was going on during those time periods. Grammatical, historical. Break out your concordance, break out your uh, Bible language app, Blue Letter Bible or something like that, and read uh, what the meaning of Hebrew and Greek words are. All of that is important. That's, your, that's like your foundational biblical studies, okay? So do that. Then begin looking for a remez. So we got p-peshet, we got r-remez in our pardes um, letters. <laughs> I forgot the word. So a remez is a hint, a hint. When you, the best way I think to understand remez, and I'm only scratching the surface here because it goes much deeper than this. The best way to understand a remez is to think cross-reference. 
If you've got a cross-reference, if you've got a footnote in your Bible that tells you that this verse is related to that verse, then go and look it up. A good exercise for you to do is to read the whole book of Romans, and every time you come to an Old Testament reference, go back and read the entire chapter that that Old Testament reference comes from. I guarantee you that will be probably one of your best commentaries on the book of Romans uh, before you pick up anyone else's book. Because I've actually read, I remember reading a commentary once where I thought this guy's getting all wrapped up in this verse and like three verses later it, it solves his problem, you know, or whatever. Uh, it clarifies what he's trying to say or he's missing the point three verses later. So commentaries are good and they're helpful, but they're not, they're not inspired. The Bible is inspired and the writers of the New Testament constantly refer back to the Old Testament, constantly. Matthew, Romans, Galatians, Hebrews, uh, yeah, mainly those books refer back to the Old Testament a lot for their foundational authoritative position. So a remez is a hint. Now, sometimes a remez can get extremely um, difficult to track. One time I was doing a Bible study on the, the story of Zacchaeus, and he climbed up into the tree and all that. Remember I mentioned him before? And I said, all right, Jesus here is doing a remez. He says here that, that he has come to seek and to save the lost, okay? Who has a footnote on that verse in their Bible? There was one lady out of the probably 15 or 20 people sitting there, one lady had a reference to Ezekiel, I want to say 36 <laughs> or maybe 34, uh, where Jesus or sorry, where God gets on the case of the people of the land and says that he will be the shepherd who's come to seek and to save the lost, okay? So uh, there was only one person that had a Bible that actually footnoted that or, or cross-referenced that. And so you got to be careful just because there's no cross-reference there to somewhere else in the Old Testament or uh, elsewhere in the Bible doesn't mean it's not there. So keep an eye out on these remezes and you will find them and you will be amazingly surprised. Also, bear in mind that a remez isn't necessarily an entire verse. Uh, go back and look up in uh, Matthew where Jesus is riding into the city and all the people, the priests on the wall of the city get mad at him and they say, are you letting these people say hallelujah, blah, blah, blah? And Jesus responds and he says, have you not read that out of the mouth of babes I have ordained praise? Now go back and look that up Find out where it's coming from in the Psalms and read the whole verse. Jesus leaves off the second bit. And the second bit is actually somewhat of a, of a condemnation of the priests. Okay, I'm just going to leave it at that. So you go do it. So the, the Jews would practice remez where they would say a portion of a verse and leave off the second half of the verse uh, as, a, as the emphasis of what they were reading because they wanted you to go back and look it up. That's how Jews used to do, like, games with the text and things like that. I mean, they're not games, but you know what I mean. So um, after Peshet and after Remez, now we have Drash. Drash. Now this word, remember, we're going through Pardes now, P-R-D-S. So a Drash is to search out. That's what it means, to search out. This word is used fairly regularly in the Hebrew. If you go back, quite often when you see the word seek, in the Old Testament, look up what that word is. It's either drash or it's often the word bakash. Uh, it's usually one of those two words. And this idea of drash is 
where we get the word midrash from. Now a midrash, if you do a midrash on a text, then what you're doing is uh, looking at all the usages of a particular phrase. Like for instance, this is one of my papers I wrote when I was uh, doing my degree was on Jesus' usage of weeping and gnashing of teeth. So if you did a study on all the times Jesus uses the phrase weeping and gnashing of teeth, what you'll find is it's only used by Matthew and one time by Luke. But when Luke uses it, it's kind of a repetition of what one of the accounts of Jesus. So go through that and find out what that phrase means in every single time it's used. It's an amazing little study. And, you'll dis- and what you'll be doing is a midrash. So a midrash is when you take words and phrases uh, uh, from the scripture, and if the same words and phrases are used in other parts of the Bible, then uh, they're speaking back to and, op- and uh, illuminating each other. Okay? One of the phrases that you can trace through the Old Testament is to love and keep his commandments. It's used over and over and over again in Deuteronomy, and then it pops up in a number of prayers in the rest of the Old Testament. So that would be, if you started tracing that through, then you're now doing a midrash. You're doing an investigation, a search, a diligent search on what does this phrase, what do these words mean? How are they interacting with each other? Okay? So this is a whole other level of, uh, of kind of an in-depth Bible study. And what you'll find is that these phrases sometimes swing a little bit in meeting or you'll have uh, you'll have one passage illuminate another and back again and that kind of thing so it's an important thing so like I said uh, this idea of loving and keeping God's commandments which is used quite extensively in the book of Deuteronomy shows up in multiple prayers and so it's something that kind of came out of the heart of various uh, Old Testament people and they understood that it was this was an expression of loving God this phrase of, of obeying, keeping and obeying, loving and keeping his commandments and that kind of thing. So, and it, and it pops up in the prayers, like I said. So do a derash, do a search, do an investigation into the text. Uh, don't take anything for granted. Seek and search it all out and you will be greatly rewarded. And now finally, the fourth of our pardes is sod. Sod. Now sod, the Hebrew word sod means secret. But it means secret associated with the idea of counsel, you know, getting wise counsel about things, all right? So uh, it shows up in Proverbs. The actual word itself shows up in Proverbs. But this is sort of the hidden secret meaning of the text. I am going to suggest to you that the book of Revelation is sawed literature. And also the Gospel of John can be can maybe considered sawed literature. It's Jesus is forever saying one thing but meaning another when you read the book of John. When you read the revelation that John wrote, uh, it's, for, it's constantly, almost like every other verse, hints back, refers back to the Old Testament. And much of it is there as a kind of mystery. Okay, So the Greek idea of mystery, mysterion, is about something that is to be understood and uh, come to a knowledge of. A bit like Sherlock Holmes. He always solves it at the end of the mystery, right? So sawdust kind of along those lines, but it has to be done. The word itself implies that it's being done sort of in a group, in council with others. And so 
bearing that in mind, it's not like we're talking about this, this you know, secret knowledge, this sort of Gnostic knowledge that the Greeks talked about where somebody had an epiphany and a vision and they became the uh, embodiment or the, the, the only source to go and get deep knowledge of the scripture. No, it's about community. It's about uh, interrelationship. It's about fellowship. So that's where this sod comes from. So see these four different aspects to Jewish interpretation, uh, and I'm only scratching the surface, like I said, of these things, they build on each other. You start out by getting up every morning and you read the text. Read it, listen to it, just have it go in. I listened to, uh, just as I was driving you know, away from work today, I listened to Zephaniah. So um, try to get these the, the scriptures into you. Now, um, don't kick yourself over all, I mean, if you're busy, you're busy, you know, but make it a point to try to get scripture into yourself as much as possible. Then you'll begin to discover little hints here and there. You know, look up a passage when you're reading the Bible. If there's a footnote to the Old Testament, look it up, see what it says. Like I said, go through the whole book of Hebrew, of Romans and read all the Old Testament passages and their whole chapter. You do the same thing with Hebrews, whatever. You'll start realizing uh, that there's, there's great depth behind some of these references that are coming out. Uh, then start doing bigger searches. Once you're getting your head around the whole of Scripture, you'll start seeing phrases pop up here and there. Begin to look at these phrases and see how they interrelate with each other, particularly how stuff from the Old Testament is illuminating things in the New Testament and how the New Testament is explaining stuff in the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus. And then be sure to always be in fellowship with other people. When you're in fellowship and discussing these things and, and praying through these things with other people, then you'll get even deeper understanding of the scriptures and you'll begin to sort of grasp you know, things like the Gospel of John, the book of Revelation, and things like that. It's a stunning and marvelous journey that you'll go on. And Danny, this is dedicated to you. I hope you tackle this with your whole heart. And anyone who's listening to this, I hope you grip onto this uh, and go for it. And I think you'll be greatly blessed. So God bless you and have a great day. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you were challenged and encouraged by what you heard today, please feel free to share it with any friends or family you like. You're welcome to email us at calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. That's calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. And remember to leave a comment at iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts.